Well, good morning, Hope Elam, and good morning to Lutheran Church of Hope, to all of you who are watching, wherever you are tuning in and worshiping with us today. I'm so honored and uh, I'm humbled to be standing here. This is, this is about the same spot Martin Luther King stood back in 1959 and the day before Martin Luther King Day. Wow, I mean, that's just overwhelming to me. Praise God. That video uh, introduces our sermon series for this new year, uh, seven weeks focusing in on all things new. And we've got some new things happening uh, right here and right now. Uh, if you are out at uh, one of our other campuses, you're seeing this video live, our Sunday 9.30 service, or 9 for you, or 10.30 for you, whatever it might be. Uh, you're seeing this from this morning, uh, live from Hope Elam. And I am really excited to preach with my friends and colleagues Pastor John and Pastor Michael, you are so well and faithfully led in this church by these two guys. Absolutely awesome. I'm really just here to set the table for them. Uh, today, do a little teaching so they can do some preaching. Does that sound like a good plan? So let's get into the Word. Let's get into our Bible reading that Justin shared here and others, Bible readers, uh, whatever hope location you're at, uh, also shared. And if you're online... Tune in as well. Open your Bibles, your Bible apps, or at least open your hearts. There is one body, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. Everyone say one body. body. Now say it again. Say one body. body. There is one body. Not two, not three, not seven, not 309. This is the body of Christ that Paul's talking about. This is the church. This is us. There's one of us. There are different congregations. There are different denominations. I'm not naive. I know that. But we are all branches connected to the same vine. And that which unites us is greater than anything that could divide us. There is, according to God's word, not your preacher's opinion. According to God's word, preacher's opinion happens to follow God's word on this. But according to God's word, there is how many bodies of Christ? One. One One body. There's one spirit. Everyone say one spirit. Wherever you are, I want to hear you out there in West Des Moines. Let's hear you. There is one glorious hope. Everyone say one hope. hope. Say one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God. There is one. So now here's the thing. We could all stand up here and try to give you a pep talk. Try harder, church. Try, try harder. Dig, dig a little deeper. F- find something inside of you. D- 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 just be better. Be nicer. Be more loving. Be more united. Do these things that you're supposed to do. And it might last for what? An hour? A day? A week? A few weeks, and then we default back to wherever we were before. And we see this in so many different ways over and over again in our world. We know, we know, Paul says that in Romans 7, the good stuff I want to do, I don't always do. It's the dark stuff, the evil that I don't want to always do that I end up doing. We default back to our sinful human nature. So how can we find, how can we find a better way? How can we go from where we are to where God wants us to be? I think it helps to get a little context. Here's where the teaching comes in. So Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, our Bible reading for today. And it's important to know what's going on in Ephesus. They are, hard as this is to maybe find a context for it in our world today, they are a divided culture. And try, imagine what that might be like, right? Imagine what it might be like to be divided over all sorts of different things, whatever it might be. For the Ephesians, it was between Jew and Gentile. It was between different business factions. It was between the church and non-church. There were all these different divisions. 
Paul knows these divisions. Here's a picture of Ephesus. When my wife and I were blessed to be there a few years ago, that's me, the little speck of the blue shirt. This is an amphitheater that seats 25,000 people that's still there, the ancient ruins of it in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. This is the place where Acts 19 writes and where Paul resided in Ephesus as he was starting this new mission church. Acts 19 says the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater. They wanted to kill Paul. They wanted to overwhelm the Christians. They, they wanted to, to take them out. They, 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 wanted, they wanted Paul to stop bringing Christ into their town because it was bad for business. Because they were selling idols. We say, well, idols is something back then. It isn't today. But idol, biblically speaking, is anything we put above God. Anything, anyone, any, any, any uh, hobby, any passion, any worldly goal, idols. So they're tripping over the idols back in Paul's day, and that, that was leading to the, the division, and that's Paul's context into which he's writing this letter. He writes it, get this, from a prison cell in Rome back to the church in Ephesus. He's in prison because of his faith. Now, all of that might be just historically what it is, but here's where it really meets us right where we are. Because God is the one who's writing this letter through Paul. Oh, it's Paul's pen, but it's the Holy Spirit inspiring every word. And that's important for us to receive today. When we open up this book, when we hear this word proclaimed from that pulpit, when we hear it preached, when we receive it in Bible study, when we receive it in our daily devotions, you aren't just reading a letter from a guy named Paul. You're reading the living word of God. You're reading what God is revealing to us right here and right now for our world, in our context, in our culture. Now pull back a little bit more and you start to realize, well, okay, so Paul's saying one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one glorious hope, one body of Christ. He's saying unity. He's saying there's one God and there's seven of these ones. Remember, seven is the biblical number for perfection in a complete cycle. So Paul is saying this is the complete cycle that you would be one Jesus prays for this right before he gets crucified on the cross in John 17 he says father I pray that all of these people who follow me will be one that they'll be united in me I pray for that that's a core value for us as a church because it comes from God's word that we would be one so we hear that and we're like okay well I'm going to change for an hour or for a day for I'll try to do better. I'll try harder. And then we default back. Until we remember who we are. What I'm saying to you is the same Holy Spirit who inspired Paul's pen and brings God's word to us through the letter to the Ephesians today and speaks to our hearts and our souls. That same God is moving in you and wants to remind you today who you are. Let me remind you who you are, God's word says. Let me tell you who you are. And so go back, before we jump, just right all the way in and you hear the preaching from Michael and John into Ephesians 4, what it means to be one and how that applies to us. Go back to Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 and the way Paul starts this letter. He says, long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had you in mind, us in mind. Have you thought about that lately? Before God even started creating the universe, he knew of you. Wow. He had you in mind. 
He already knew your personality. He already knew your passions. He already knew your quirks. He already knew what you were going to be. Before he started making this awesome, glorious universe, he was thinking of you. That's how much God thinks of you. God had settled on you and me and us as the focus of his love. And so he touches us in this creation, even before Jesus shows up. But then God shows up as a person, as a human being, so we can get to know him better. And it's in Christ that we find out who we are, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says. So before Paul says, here's where the unity is, he says, here's how you're going to get it. Let me remind you who you are. It's not because you're such good people. It's not because you always do the right thing all the time. It's when you remember who you are and then that power of the Holy Spirit can transform your whole life, can change everything. That's the power to forgive sins. That's the power to take the addict from addiction to freedom. That's the power to heal a broken marriage. That's the power to change you and me. That's the power to unite black and white and brown and everything else as one. One in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't put a whole lot of hope in finding that unity in anything less than the one who made us, in being reminded who we are. It's not about, oh, well, we have to become something we're not. It's just about saying, this is what God made us to be. You were made for more. You were made for more, and I was made for more that every time I get offended, I say, well, I can't hang out with you anymore. Every time I I, I disagree, well, then I guess I can't be with that Bible study. I can't be with that social group. I can't be with that cause. I can't be with those people. I, I disagree with something. I can't be with people who are over on the other side of the political aisle. I can't be with anybody because we disagree. That's what the world teaches us all the time. But God's having none of it. I made you for more than that. I don't want you to try to become something that you aren't. I just want you to be who you are. It's God the creator. It's God the savior, Jesus Christ, who tells us who we are. And then a couple of verses later, it's God the Holy Spirit. When you believed in Christ, Paul says, before he gets to the unity of Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 1, he says, God the creator made you before. He was thinking of you before, you were, before he created anything. God the savior showed up so that you'd know who you are and what your purpose in this world is. And God the spirit comes and tells you, identifies you as his own. By putting the wind of his spirit in your sails. So you can move from where you are to God created you to be. That's our hope. Our hope for unity, our hope for salvation, our hope for new life, our hope for freedom, our hope for light in the face of the darkness. That's our hope. And if we could just be about the business of remembering that, now you can turn the page to Ephesians 4. In light of all this, Paul says, Ephesians 4 verse 1, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up in this prison in Rome, I want you to move. If you have the freedom to go, go. If you have the words to say, say them. If you have a just cause to stand up for, stand up for the just cause. I want you to get out there and walk better yet. I want you to run on the road that God called you to travel. I want you to be my church because if you aren't going to do it, if Christians aren't going to be Christian, who's going to do it? Who's going to work for the unity in this world through the one who says there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. There's seven of those ones. There's your complete cycle. This is what we were made for, to be what God has created us to be, to be his church. 
There's another man who wrote a pretty famous letter from a prison cell in Birmingham. And he said, among other things, these words. In those days, in the days of Ephesus, the biblical days, the church knew who it was. Not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion, but a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Come on, church. You're not here just to tell the world what the temperature is. You're here to set the temperature in the room. You're here to be the ones who say, this is who God has called us to be. You're here to shine the light of God's love to the world around you because nothing less will do. We have to, we have to humble ourselves before a holy God and say, God, you do this, your spirit through us, not us doing it for you as good as that can be. That's better than doing it for ourselves. But what if we humble ourselves enough and say, God, what do you want to do through us? That's the vision. That's the dream. Tell us more about it, Michael, and who we are as the church and what it takes God's love to carry it out. Wow. Um, each time, each service is different, and I just want to say different stuff, even though the PowerPoint's the same. And Pastor, I almost feel the cry coming on. I, Angel, I do. As I look around, Jesus, you guys have no idea. What? You have no idea. No idea what the weapon of love will do. And as I look around to this homogenous group, we are all family. Oh, y'all better come on with me. We are all the family of God. He's created us. He sustains us. And he redeems us. And what gives us access to God in being in this family is the weapon of love. One of the things that's um, new and, and we're still struggling with it is the blended family. You know, uh, come on now, you got some people from this side and some people from that side and some people from this side. And you're all family and you all got to get along, but this is mine and this is mine. And I run this and I run that and I do this and I do this and I'm staff and I'm getting paid and I'm doing this. Instead of saying we need to come together to execute a plan. And to execute that plan, we got to have access to God. Because when we have access to God, his presence shows up. And when his presence shows up, there's glory. When his presence shows up, there's strength. When his presence shows up, there's peace and mercy and grace and loving kindness. Everything changes when the presence of God shows up. Ha! We're adopted. God decided. Ha! God, not Republican, not Democrat, not independent, not suburb, not city. God decided. Y'all gonna come with me. Because ain't none of us making it out of here alive. And if you was with me, and if you want eternal life, you better go with God because he decided to adopt us into his own family. And when we are recalcitrant and disobedient, he had to send Jesus to stand in the gap for our ignorance, to stand in the gap for our stupidity, to stand in the gap. Because this is what he wanted us to do. And it gave him great, this gives God great pleasure. 
Oh, y'all ain't with me. Come on. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. And once we are adopted, we are accepted. Woo. I told you we in the same family. Y'all didn't believe me. Romans 8, 17. For we are all his children. You belong to God. Whether you believe in him or whether you don't. Whether you live or die. Whether you come to church or don't come to church. We belong to God. That's Romans 14, 8. We belong to God. We, we have been accepted as his children. And when we are adopted and accepted, we become heirs. Once we become identified with Christ, there is an inheritance. We are heirs. And the fact, together with Christ, so we are heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ for his glory. But if we share his glory, and here it is, I ain't going to... Maybe I'll wait till next service because then I can just cry and get in my car and, you know. Because if I cry now, I'll be all messed up and I'm messing my suit up for the 11 o'clock. So I'll wait. Facebook at 11, I might get my cry on, but I'm not going to do it. For his suffering. To see God's glory, Hope Elam, my Hope family. If we ever want to see God's glory, we got to. Suffer. Oh, y'all ain't with me. If you ever want to get to Sunday, you got to go through. Ah, everybody wants the resurrection, but nobody wants the crucifixion. But in order to get God's glory, you got to suffer. But 2 Timothy 2.12 says to suffer with him means to reign with him. It's all right to suffer with God. Because I'm done here, because Ephesians 3.20, I looked at it, and, and you know, you got King James, and I went to him. But then I look at the NLT, and it says, in all his glory. Oh, in all his glory, Miss Susie, what can he do? He can do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, much more than you could ever ask, think, and imagine. His thoughts are not your thoughts, and his ways are not your ways. But on the other side of suffering is glory. And I want to see glory because it's called the weapon of love. Everybody awake so far this morning? Everybody awake? Okay. I figured it is an honor to share the stage with these brothers. It's an honor to do ministry with Pastor Hurst uh, every day. And this is an incredible vision that God has given us. We have this dichotomy before us this morning that we have a here and a there. And as we look at this preferred future, this picture that God paints for us, this vision that Paul speaks to in Ephesians 4, but we also have the brutal reality of where we're at. Especially given the events of the past 12 months, we are not there yet. We have come so far, but we are not there yet. And the reason I know that, what Pastor Mike referenced, is that 62 years ago, Dr. King stood right here and said these words. If you haven't heard yet, somebody must have sense enough in the world to meet hate with love. To meet physical force with soul force. To stand up and say, I will not 
hey, folks, that's, that's our church. That's where we are right now. That's what he said. And as a white man living in America, standing here, knowing that, I'm humbled by that. I'm challenged by that. I'm convicted by that every week. We have so far to go. Meaning, as God's people, we can't stay here. We got to get out of our comfort zones and we got to be less concerned about maintaining the status quo and less concerned about, I might offend somebody than we are about justice for all of God's children. Black, brown, white, no matter the color of our skin, that is our call. That is, we have this calling from God. I am so honored and so excited about what God is doing here at the Hope Elam campus, and yet we've been reminded over the last, well, 12 months now, of working together as we've been coming together as one church. <laughs> Being together is a lot different than coming together. I'm going to borrow a Pastor Hurst. I don't think you got it. I'm going over here. So, okay. It's, is that okay? Is that okay? I borrow. Okay. I don't know if they got it. Diversity is a lot different than oneness. This oneness that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 is about what's going on in here, in our hearts. When we lie down, lay down our, our biases and our prejudices, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, when we're confronted with our blind spots, what do we do with that? Coming together, moving from here to there, from di divisiveness to unity, from injustice to justice is messy. It's hard. <laughs> it gets under your skin a little bit. You get offended sometimes. You get misunderstood sometimes. And I believe that Paul knew that. And that's why he's writing here in Ephesians 4. Before he gets to this vision in verse 4 of unity and oneness and one church and one faith and one baptism, he shows us how. Two foundational truths. Number one in verse 1. Every single one of us is called to this mission of unity. Watch what Paul says. God, through Paul, I beg you, not I'm suggesting to you, not work it into your schedule if it's for you or convenient. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Every single one of us is called to this movement of radical unity. It's not just for those that feel like it, not just for those that it might agree with your specific political slant, not just for those that might be in a more diverse area. It's for every single one of us. Amen? All of us are called to this. Then we get to the roadmap. Paul doesn't just say what. God through Paul says, here's how. Verse 2, always be humble. Be gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults. Sounds like another day on Facebook to me. <laughs> so maybe we've got some work to do, right? Maybe we've got some work to do. It's not easy. It's a process. I believe that every single one of us wants to become this family. Every single one of us wants unity. Every single one of us wants the beloved community that Dr. King talked about. But if you're anything like me, there are some days where you just don't want to go through the process to get there. And it's hard sometimes, and it's messy, and it's, it involves vulnerability and being confronted with our blind spots. And even when it gets uncomfortable, and we forget that real change, movements, Revolutions are born out of the slow, unseen work behind the scenes. I've heard it said, everybody wants a revolution. Nobody wants to do the dishes. 
Do I have anybody in here this morning that's ready to do some dishes, to do the hard work, to build relationships, to do what we have been called to do? And something that we've learned along the way, and as you get into these groups, and those of you in small groups that have taken that step from any campus at Hope, from the weekend to find your group, you're going to get misunderstood. You're going to get offended and maybe what you've discovered. And certainly I feel like what we're learning, we haven't got it all figured out, but what we're learning here at Hope Elam over the last 12 months, the amount of conflict that, we'll, that you're willing to work through will ultimately determine the depth of your relationships. Because the culture says something completely different. I got offended. I got misunderstood. I don't agree with you. I don't like your viewpoint. So I'm going to dismiss you and I'm going to keep you at an arm's length. And one of two things happens. We end up with very, very shallow relationships or our circle around us and our friends are only people that look like us and talk like us and act like us and have the same color skin as us and vote like us. And that's just boring. Amen? It's unhealthy and it's boring. We joke about this all the time. Michael's from Detroit. I'm from Story City. It's the Scandinavian capital of the world, okay? We're different, and that's a good thing. But sometimes we offend each other. Sometimes we fall down and we have to get back up. And as I've told you before, and I'll just share this as just one of our humble learnings this last year, a shift started to happen for us when we started to talk and look at each other as we lead this church in it's less about let me convince you and more about, brother, help me understand. Help me understand what I don't know, what I don't understand, or my ignorance. And I am convinced it would have been far easier for, for, for these men of God to stay apart for 20 years. It would have been far easier for Hope Des Moines and Elam Christian Fellowship to stay in our safe little comfortable bubbles where everybody's like us. But God had bigger plans. God had a bigger calling for us. It would have been far easier. <laughs> but then we miss out on the glimpses of heaven. We miss out on the kingdom breaking through. We have so far to go, but the kingdom is breaking through right now. Every weekend, we get to stand up here and look out and say, where else would this group of people be able to come together as equals, as one for a mission like this? Every week, we get to walk through these hallways and see kids from different racial and ethnic backgrounds running to a quality, affordable education right here in this building at Joshua Christian Academy. I get to turn around and right next door, there's a group of you volunteering that are packaging meals for our drive through food pantry for families from Des Moines Public Schools, which happens to be in the same room as Kairos, our brand new college ministry, right across the street from Drake. I could go on and on and on. The kingdom is breaking through and God wants you to be a part of it, to join this movement. Don't miss it. I'll end with this. Author and pastor Danielle Strickland says this, and I think it sums up where we're at today. When you view difference, oh, we got a lot of difference in this room. When you view difference through the lens of fear, it becomes a threat. But if you view difference through the lens of faith, it's an opportunity. We have this opportunity. I'm, I'm so glad I haven't missed the opportunity to be a part. This is so much bigger than us, than any of us on this stage. It's a God thing. And whatever gets the God, whatever gets the Jesus thing going, I want to be a part of that. It's an opportunity not just for hope or for Elam, but for the kingdom of God in Des Moines. It's time to get out of your comfort zone. It's time to become one. Amen?
and, and with you too. Let me, let me put a cap on this, uh, try to anyway. Uh, I want to tell you a story. So uh, once upon a time I was called to be a pastor in Des Moines, in West Des Moines more specifically, which was weird for me because I'm from the north side of Chicago. I grew up in the city, I went to a public high school, I had forced racial segregation and racial tension was a part of it every day. I thought that was God preparing me to do inner city urban ministry. But God sent Paul to the Gentiles, even though he was the Jew of all Jews, according to him. And God sent Michael Hurst from Detroit to Des Moines, Iowa. And God sent John Anderson from Story City to Des Moines, Iowa. Because listen to this, God sent you here too for a reason. Before he even started creating the universe, he knew who you were. And it's no accident that you're here. And it's no accident that you're tuning in online right now. And it's no accident that you're whatever campus you're at right now. It's no accident God has called you to follow his spirit. To let his wind be the thing that moves your sails. Because it's way more important, way more important than where you're from, is who's in your heart. What do you have in your heart? Because once you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, unity is going to happen. Unless the Holy Spirit is in our hearts, no matter how hard we try as fallen, uh, 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 fallible human beings who are going to trip over ourselves, no matter how hard we try, we're not going to get there. We aren't going to see the realization of this dream, which we haven't seen completely yet. We don't have a seven there yet. It hasn't gone full cycle. We aren't going to see the vision fulfilled because here's a vision of all visions that I believe inspired the dream. Revelation chapter seven says, when it's all said and done in the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be all nations and tribes, all races and languages standing side by side, no COVID in heaven. So we're going to be side by side and no mass. And we're going to be praising God before the throne and the lamb, heartily singing with heart, soul, and mind and strength, everything we've got, giving praise to the God who made us and saved us and led us and guide us to this point and reminded us that we are one. What are we church? We are one in Jesus Christ. The spirit who's in us. The spirit who's in us. This isn't just for us, though. This isn't just for the people who are called to be a part of this church, Hope. And it's not about pointing people to Lutheran Church of Hope. Don't hear that. Because that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Scripture is saying. This dream, this dream of what heaven will be like, and the reminder of what we were created to be, reminds us of what we're supposed to be doing right now. What we're supposed to be doing because our Lord, when he came, taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it will be someday in the kingdom of heaven. It'll be this glorious vision, this dream that God gave to Martin Luther King that he proclaimed that there would be one, that there would be peace and harmony, that it wouldn't matter the color of your skin, but it would be the content of your character. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's in our hearts. Is the Holy Spirit in your heart? Because if the Spirit is in your heart, you're not going to be able to stop yourself from loving your neighbor. You aren't going to be able to stop yourself from enduring the trials and the hard work that it takes. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not always easy to go down the neighborhood to visit the person who doesn't look like you. But it doesn't matter where you're from as it matters what's in your heart. Let your heart be the thing that guides you. That's our vision as a church. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. That's why God put us here. 
that's, what we'll, that's the business that we will be about. And so it'll be a year of hope. It'll be a year of hope, and that'll be our focus all year long, that we will let the light of God's love reflect off of us. We'll get through the hard work. We'll love one another. We'll not just say we're Sunday resurrection people. We'll go through Good Friday. We'll sacrifice the things that need to be sacrificed humbly for the sake of the light that God wants to shine for us and through us, and I'll close there. It's not just what it's going to do for us. It's what it's going to do to the world around us. This city, what are they going to do with us? If 10 years from now, Hope Elam is stronger than ever, and it's all races and all nations and all ethnicities and all languages coming together as one body in Jesus Christ, what's the city going to say then? Because the world looks around and says, where are there examples of this? Where do people hang out together? Where is there this unity? Where does it happen? If it doesn't happen here. Where is it going to happen? It's not just what God's going to do to you. It's what he's going to do through you. So I guess it's up to you then. Not to do it for God, but to humble yourself and let God do it through you. And then when the world sees it, we don't want to say, come follow us over here at Lutheran Church of Hope. We will say, come and follow our God. Come and follow the one who unites us as the body of Christ, because there is one. Amen? Let's stand up and sing wherever you are, whatever campus.